0: After a week hiatus, we are back the B Fox B Frank Show just in time for the conclusion of the regular season of college football. Playoff is officially set. No real surprises here. The Alabama number one overall taken out of Washington, and then Clemson and Ohio State in the other semifinal. I mean, that, that's from from my perspective. No real surprises. Did you have any issues with the final four?
1: No, I, I figured it would come out this way. I had uh, I had the top three the same. I, I put Western Michigan in out of principle, <laughs> not actually expecting them to get in, just kind of hoping, wishing that they would. But, uh, they, I mean, Washington would have been my other number four team. And especially after how they handled Colorado, there was no reason for them not to be. And, it, again, if we want to talk about the Penn State argument that, you know, they should have got in. I disagree, one, they had two losses. I don't care if they beat Ohio State. But you, you have to have someone in front of you lose. It's not just it's not a week-to-week thing. It's, it, you have to build up from where you are. You can't all of a sudden say, well, Western Michigan's 11-0, and all of a sudden we look and they're the only undefeated team left, so they've got to move up from 20 to number six or something. You've got to build on what you have previous weeks, and I think, uh, I think the committee did well. And I thought it was really funny that the chairman of the Big Twelve was like, "I don't know what to say to my member schools because we've got teams like Washington in at eleven and one over our two lost teams.
0: Don't lose twice. That's what you say. Yeah, exactly. I, That's all it is, say. It seemed like there was a lot of attempted, like, generated controversy when really there didn't have to be any. I mean, we had this this top four last week. Admittedly, I mean Ohio State and Clemson switched spots, but ultimately that doesn't matter because they're still playing each other. But you you had Alabama, you had Clemson, you had Washington. They all won uh, their conference title games. Ohio State was already entrenched there at number two. Like you said, there's nothing that would move people uh, or teams above those teams already in there. Some people tried to bring up you know Washington's weak non-conference schedule, but I mean, that had been taken into account before. It wasn't something that would just suddenly come up this week that would eliminate them from the, the playoff. And, I mean, again, it, it was made out to be a difficult decision, but, I mean, for major conference teams, one loss or fewer, everybody else had two or more losses except Western Michigan. Pretty pretty easy decision.
1: Absolutely. And uh, another big thing is the committee putting Michigan at five instead of Wisconsin or Penn State prior to the Big Ten championship, I thought was a huge statement by them saying that no matter who wins this game, they're not going to get into the playoff, but they're barring like a loss from one of the top four. Obviously, Ohio State couldn't have lost because they weren't playing, but you get what I'm saying. So, uh putting Michigan there was simply a a kind of a statement to both those teams like you can play and you can win, but no matter what, the winner of your game is gonna go to the Rose Bowl and they're not gonna be playing on uh december thirty first
0: right kind of served as a buff run like last year, whereas pretty much understood winner of Iowa Michigan State was gonna be the sacrificial lamb that got blown out by Alabama.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really funny too because going into like these last couple of weeks, we were talking about all the controversy and how there could be two Big Ten teams and how it could break ten different ways, and it just stayed pat. It it stayed the same way we saw it. We all kind of knew it was going to happen, and I don't know. I think I think this was probably the s- most simple year for the committee to to make their choice. I think each of the previous what two years or three years, they've had. Uh, a couple arguments for teams on the outside.
0: Yeah, it kinda of seemed like when we got to the, the point in the season kinda of hit a lull, we we're talking about how there weren't really any enticing matchups. That's when the craziness sort of started and we started seeing a lot of upsets and then when we expected that the last few weeks of the season to you know, something to happen that would throw a wrench into, you know, who would make the playoffs just everything went shock, it seemed like.
1: Yeah, it was a really, really weird but fun college football season. Um, I would have loved to have seen anyone play Alabama a little tougher, or USC specifically, I guess, play Alabama towards the end of the season instead of at the start of the season because I think that's two of the best teams right now in the country playing each other. That would have been much more fun than that 52-6 to shellacking we witnessed on uh, the first Saturday. But, uh, I mean, there, this was a season of what-ifs for a lot of teams. A ton of, ton of people could have said well, – uh, the only team that couldn't have said what-if is Western Michigan and and Alabama. But th- <laughs> those are the two teams that, that really um, – I mean, they're the only two teams that ran the table, but there are teams out there that had two, three, four losses that could have been down to two or one. And in a conversation, you look at an Oklahoma team who had the chance to beat Houston at the time, who would have, which would have been a big win, or Ohio State, which is still would still be a big win. You know, there there were a lot of chances for Oklahoma to do something. Oklahoma State loses that Central Michigan game, and maybe they're in the conversation still. So it's it's very strange to see, um, how all over the place this season kind of was. Uh, but hopefully the playoffs should be good. I'm excited. I don't know how Washington'll fare, but we'll save that that conversation for a few weeks down the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's why they take the entire resume into account, not just who's playing the best right now, because I I think pretty clearly you'd have to throw, you know, Bama, USC, Oklahoma, and probably Penn State, the four teams that are playing the best right now, but, you know, all those teams, with the obvious exception of Alabama, really struggled early in the season, and, you know, it proved too large to overcome, especially USC, because I think, that's a team that's like Ohio State from a couple of years ago, except they stumbled too many times. Because the difference, like you said, between losing 52 to 6 in the first game of the season and then to where they are now, Sam Darnold leading that offense that looks so much better. And Dory Jackson has, I mean, he, he's been Jabril Peppers, but better in terms of versatility, um, which, I mean, we can get into more when we talk about the Heisman, but. Yeah, it's, It, it kind of feels like a lost season for USC almost. Obviously a Rose Bowl win still be a lot further than uh, where they were at the start of the year, but I mean, definitely seems like could have been a playoff caliber team.
1: Yeah, they they have been surprisingly good, or at least to me, they've been surprisingly good because when you see a team like that struggle is badly as they did to start the season you really don't expect a turnaround let alone just absolutely blowing out every team down the stretch including controlling a now playoff team washington on the road so um usc and penn state who happen to be playing each other in the rose bowl that that could have been a playoff game right there you know one one or two breaks a certain way and you've got those two teams in the playoff together so um even the bowl games are going to be exciting outside of, uh, outside of the playoff. You know, Wisconsin's got Western Michigan, I believe, and that'll be a really interesting game. It's a strength on strength type of game with the, uh, Western Michigan run defense against that rushing offense. And then we'll be able to see a, uh, good old Mac offense against a big 10 defense. So that'll be fun to watch, but there, there are plenty of matchups out there that are very intriguing. Um, but yeah, you, you hit it on the head with Oklahoma, USC, and Penn State. Um, the committee's done a great job by really being open and transparent in their decision-making and what they look for and what is decisive to them. So it's not who's playing the best right now. It's who has the body of work that backs up their level of play. And I think these were the four teams that absolutely put it, all, put it together throughout the entire year.
0: I agree that they selected the right four teams. I would disagree that um, the playoff committee has been anything other than vague throughout this entire process. Just kind of seems like they're shifting uh, what matters the most to them just to kind of justify selecting the team that they select. Because for the longest time, it seemed like you're just hammering home the the point: got to win your conference, got to have that 13th data point, and then. I mean, you get Kirby on TV, kind of talk to him about those scenarios just seemed like a lot of waffling. And ultimately, it's it's kind of like, it's, it's essentially the same thing as talking to the committee chair for uh, March Madness, that selection committee, kind of trying to get a straight answer out of him. I don't think we'll ever be um, at a point where we do fully know what goes on it seems like it's very hard for those guys to be objective um but i mean this, at least this year it seemed like a pretty straightforward decision
1: yeah i i mean the decision was essentially made for, for them uh which i guess was the the bigger point i was trying to get at but they've had some issues i'd love to be a fly on the wall in that in yeah. that room just to see what the hell goes on and how they make that decision even more so on selection sunday but we will definitely get there come college basketball time, but we still got so some up. more football to talk about.
0: So This Saturday, the only game is Army against a very beat-up Navy team, but Saturday night will be the uh, Heisman presentation. They announced the five finalists, a few guys we, we certainly expected. You got Lamar Jackson, you got both Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook off Oklahoma, which I know you're definitely happy about uh, Deshaun Watson, the only uh, finalist from a playoff team, and then Jabril Peppers who had a really good game against Rutgers.
1: Yeah, I I seriously feel like Peppers is only in there for name value. I see absolutely no reason why he should be there, especially compared to those other four guys who have had tremendous years. Um, I still think it's Lamar Jackson's award. I would love to see D.D. Westbrook come in second, but I'm almost I'm gonna guarantee that Deshaun Watson gets second in voting because if you're not a quarterback they don't really care.
0: Yeah, it's it's Lamar Jackson's award. I'd be very upset if he doesn't win and will show an incredible amount of recency bias instead of like the playoff committee looking at the full body of work. Um but yeah, I I just really don't see how you, you give it to anybody else.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking back at my uh, preseason <laughs> picks. I got one conference champion right, and I had Deshaun Watson winning over Christian McCaffrey in the Heisman.
0: I know I had McCaffrey up there. I might have said, who's the other person? Did I have McCaffrey or Fournette? Remember. Oh, yeah, you said Fournette. Probably said Fournette. Yeah. So Bama game always ruins everything for him and just generally getting hurt. But
1: Yeah, the injuries always bog him down, but
0: I guess that the guy's a monster. Yeah. It'll be he'll be great at the next level, um, she declared he's going. But back to Jabril Peppers, kinda kinda gotta respect it because it is seemingly the first Heisman Campaign first Heisman finalist entirely generated by hype. Like yeah. if he if he doesn't um, end up on the Rams with Jeff Fisher, I'll be extremely disappointed because obviously he's more talented at what he does than Jeff Fisher. But I have not seen two guys in the sport of football kind of receive more in Pepper's case accolades in Fisher's case contract extensions for, you know, doing less. Ultimate, snake until you make it.
1: Jeff Fisher is the definition of water always finds its level <laughs> and seas get degrees because he is the most average. I think my dad was talking to me. I think he's coached 20 or 22 years, and he's had like eight winning seasons.
0: Yeah, never with the Rams. Never with the Rams. I ju- His I best just... record
1: was seven, eight, and one.
0: I it's died... And the, the bottom line on ESPN are talking about the – said, yeah, his new two-year extension for Jeff Fisher. He's never had a winning season with the team. Like, great. Unbelievable. Like, he's, he's water always finds its level if seven and nine was level. Yes. Like, he's just, on a just under a glass half full. Yes.
1: um Love the guy. Huge football guy. But he has the second most losses in NFL history.
0: Right, which, and then he said, when somebody asked him about it, you can look at it as glass half full or half empty, which makes absolutely no sense. Zero, because it's it's all bad. But and it's funny, you know, didn't he
1: coach those Rams teams in like the early two thousands? The greatest show on turf.
0: Was that no, him? that that was uh, that was Martz.
1: Oh, that was Mike Martz, but he was in Tennessee, right, with uh, Steve McNair. I
0: believe so. He would yeah. Was so I mean, that, Yeah, he was with the Titans for, he was the longest tenured coach by the end when he was with the Titans. Yeah, I mean,
1: he he had some good players on his teams. It's just, I don't know what the hell he did with the talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had, and Eddie George was there too, I think. Yeah,
0: just he incredible job security.
1: He lost to the Rams in '99 in that Super Bowl. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, one yard. What a guy! But yeah, going (laughs) back to college football, Jabril Peppers. Actually, Jeff Fisher is like perfect for Notre Dame. That's where he should be coaching.
0: I now I feel like say it, but it fits. I feel like the the first losing season, he would be just shouted out of town. Notre Dame is not a place where you can just go six and six to a bowl game for like ten straight years. Just he's not a place gonna
1: fly. off of hype, though.
0: Yeah, but I, I uh, think at this point he's he's pretty lacking in that department.
1: Yes, Peppers. I don't know if he gets a single first place vote, I will be outraged. But then again, it'll be like the baseball writers not voting Chris Bryant a unanimous NL MVP despite insane numbers at 24 it's surely out of principle that they're like oh we don't want anyone unanimous or we need to give everyone a first place vote it doesn't make
0: sense yeah and that's the thing about heisman too like there aren't necessarily the clearest of guidelines to how you're supposed to vote and who you're supposed to vote for so people often just interpret it at their will as this we've kind of harped on over and over this season um Kind of surprised nobody on Bama got nominated uh, as a finalist. I'm sure at least two or three guys on that defense, not to mention Jalen Hurts, will probably end up getting votes. Um, but there's not enough to get in the top five. But, I was going to say,
1: the whole defensive yeah. line should be up there.
0: I mean, it's not a sexy pick. Not the first thing people think of. I'm very surprised, honestly, two non-quarterback finalists.
1: Yeah, it's it's outrageous. I would almost
0: say, but but also the fact that there are no running back finalists when coming into the season. That seems like far and away the strongest position in the country.
1: Yeah. McCaffrey, Fournette, Delvin Cook. We've got Pl- and um, Pum- pump, Is that his name? It's now Pumphrey. Pumphrey? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nick the Chubb, if he would have stayed healthy. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh,
1: it's wild that. <laughs> This year, is almost, it's pretty much dominated by receivers. I would say more so than, than the quarterbacks because it's really only been Lamar Jackson that's been the dominant quarterback.
0: I mean, D.D. Westbrook's certainly do- been dominated. Yeah.
1: My guy. <laughs> um, do we want to talk a couple coaching changes or do you want to move on we to could. basketball? We could. We can do that. Awesome. Well, we got... Herman going to Texas, which is old news at this point. Um, Coach O staying in LSU. It's big. And I think the shock of the end of the season was Kevin Wilson at Indiana getting the boot. You obviously yeah. have have uh, attended the university, so I'll let you take the reins here. Speak on that, and then speak on the
0: other two. Yeah, Indiana finally became the center. Uh, college football, I guess, landscape for a few hours, if not a couple days, for all the wrong reasons. Um, it was, I mean, he basically saw my, my mental breakdown in the Let Me Be Prick group I me mean, just as snippets of information were coming out at a time. Um, all we heard at first was that he was being dismissed. Um, then stuff started to come out about maybe, you know, similar situation to Beckman at Illinois, rushing people back from injury. And you have all the former players coming out on Twitter defending him. And most recently, I don't know if you read the Indy Star story, but it sounded like a couple uh, isolated cases of like, I don't know how to phrase it, like teasing guys with injuries and just overly being hard on players. And, I mean, that's something that eighty Fred Glass is very against, just very pro student-athlete rights. Uh, he's a guy who helped bring about guaranteed four-year scholarships for athletes, uh, drafted a student-athlete bill of rights, the first of its kind at IU. So, I mean, just cited philosophical differences which even now just makes it sound like Fred Glass just thought Kevin Wilson was a dick. And hired a law firm to try to find some like a just cause for firing and couldn't, and then they settled and asked him to resign. Kind of still feels like there's something out there they're not telling us though.
1: Yeah, it, there was a lot of gray area, I guess, is the best word to use. Maybe it was it was clouded. The whole situation was clouded a little bit, but it seemed like a really strange time. Indiana didn't have a bad year. It definitely didn't go as well as it could have. They had a couple opportunities to win some big games, but I, it just seemed very strange. And especially seeing all these former players come out and defending Wilson, it just, it really did seem like, you know, two worlds colliding in that, you know, maybe he did, you know, mock a couple guys about injuries, but then, I mean, if you've ever played football, it's, it's a tough guy sport, you know, you're supposed to be able to get in there or be able to take some and if you're hurt you're hurt like people get it but they're gonna say well let's get back or whatever um people say things all the time i'm not condoning you know mocking players or anything but it's it's the culture and the nature of football sometimes it does though blatantly seem like there's something well below the surface that either no one wants to talk about or will come out in the coming months um but I mean, Kevin Wilson may have gotten the wrong end of the deal on this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, as soon as it was announced, there's obviously no football reason that would justify firing him. Um, You know, back to back balls to a place like Indiana is pretty incredible. So we kind of knew there was something below the surface. And it is kind of, uh, you know, old school and new school colliding. I think it's pretty safe to say, beyond reasonable doubt, that, you know, this sort of thing probably happens at, you know, a lot of schools across the country, but that's like, the entire you know, SEC. right. But I, I think Spencer Hall kind of captured it uh, pretty concisely. And he said, it's, it's funny how you never hear about this sort of thing um, unless it's at a school where the 80 just doesn't like the coach. And it, yeah. the, the really interesting thing for me is that this is the kind of thing that's happened with uh You know, Mike Leach at Texas Tech, Mark Mancino at uh, Kansas, all former offensive coordinators for Bob Stoops, Stoops, whatever his name is. Pretty. The (laughs) the Connect the Dots guy. Uh, But there have been some extremely juicy and interesting uh, developments in Kevin Wilson's potential next job that I I wish I could share, but our. As of right now, off the record, but if something comes out in the next few days, I will be one of the first to feel a a small measure of pride for for calling it.
1: All right. Well, that's that's all. But um, yeah, it, it definitely seemed like a situation where the AD just wasn't happy with the coach and just wanted something. He didn't care what the hell it was, but something to get him out of there. And get a guy that he wanted in, so it 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 sucks whatever happened. Um, hopefully, for you know rationale's sake, there's some sort of substance behind it, but I I really don't think there's gonna be anything to come of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, another possible theory is he just wanted to hire Tom Allen as head coach just so you know Ole Miss or somebody didn't hire him as defensive coordinator, and I, I think. And this was kind of a move that Fred Glass had to make to be consistent with everything he's done during his time as AD. And you know, Allen is a guy. He, head coach of Indiana is his dream job. And one of the first things he came out and said is that he's going to be demanding without being demeaning. Um, so clear. I mean, attempted a, a culture shift. He was only there for the last year of Wilson's tenure. And a, lot, a lot of these allegations came, you know, two three years ago. So. I mean, he's, he's been separate from that, so I mean, I don't know. I'd have to sum this up with a big shrug because we'll obviously have to see how it plays out. Just
1: let Indiana basketball keep continue to overshadow this nonsense <laughs> in, until football season rolls around them. Pretty hoping, much. Uh, you guys can get it together in time for next fall.
0: Yeah, he's got to try to beat Troy Williams in a bowl game before then.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um,. Cocho LSU,
0: quick thoughts. I mean, I feel like you earned it. Yeah, I, I think that's I mean, the only thing to really say. Lost Alabama, lost a narrow one uh, to to Florida that you could have found fault in, but, I mean, by and large, clearly got the guys to play some inspired football.
1: Yeah, and you got this LSU team to score 40-plus points twice, I think, towards the end of the year. That it seems like three of the first four games. Yeah. Doesn't matter who it's against that's still incredible because that offense was anemic. Um and Tom Herman to Texas, the most sought after coach out there. I think it was the most obvious decision. I feel like coach O was taken at L- or LSU took coach O because Herman was ready to er, was ready to or had already accepted the Texas job and they just didn't want to come out and say that. Yeah, just
0: dis- despite claiming very loudly otherwise, yes. but I it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Herman does because he obviously gets his guys up for the big games, but you know playing in the Big Twelve, just about every game is going to be big now, and you kind of saw how they they had some uh, mental physical lapses against pretty inferior competition. You know they're far and away the most talented most athletic team in their conference. Houston was. You're losing to teams like uh, SMU. You're in dogfights against Central Florida. Stuff that should not be happening. It's easy to get up for the the big two Andy games Ross of the year. Boys,
1: they out hit everybody. <laughs> Don't forget
0: that. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously everybody's excited to Texas. He was the the hottest name on the coaching market. Will certainly bring a ton of confidence. And I mean you would think that the only direction Texas can go is up. I
1: I still think he's got an unbelievable amount of talent on that team. I think if Charlie Strong had stayed, he would have had an, at least an eight or nine win season next year. But I think inspiration, confidence, things like that will push it to a 10, maybe even 11 win season under Herman in his first year. So it's going to be wild. Uh, obviously the only choice they really had they have all the money in the world, it seems like, to throw at these coaches and then pay for buyouts and whatever the hell else. Has has Purdue hired a coach
0: yet? Yeah, yeah. I had uh, Jeff Braun from oh, that's right. Western okay. Kentucky. That's Best right. known for uh, just taking a massive concussion XFL game and then coming right back the next week, not knowing which direction to look and just Keep... playing quarterback.
1: He was the one uh, who said that he wants to get in a street fight between the whistles, right? Yeah. Yeah. What a guy. That's that's a hell of a move. <laughs> uh, the real interesting thing will be where Charlie Strong goes now that he is unemployed. And it'll also be interesting to see at the end of all this where PJ Fleck goes because he's definitely, I think he's definitely leaving Western Michigan.
0: Really? I would I would say it makes sense for him to just stay because what what job's really out there for him at this point that would be worth leaving? Maybe Notre Dame?
1: Maybe? We're waiting for Brian Kelly I mean, to go <laughs> Oregon or step down. Okay. Cincinnati's open again. Tommy Tuberville stepped down. Brian Kelly may go back.
0: Okay, I thought, yeah, I was going to say, I still don't know if that wouldn't be worth it for Fleck to go there. So that's sideways at best
1: yeah so we'll we'll see what happens there uh, I think it's time to talk some college basketball
0: can do that can definitely do that
1: uh we'll start with we'll start with Baylor the hottest team in the country right now uh has a legitimate case to be in the top three they've played what six five or six top 20 teams and beat them all pretty handily. Um, They're unbelievably athletic. They get after it on the defensive end and they can score. And I I just don't understand how, but they put it all together. They're rebounding really good. I feel like every game I watch, they have at least 15 blocks because they're just so physical and athletic down low. And then they run in transition really well. I, I, don't know what else to say about this team other than they're really impressive so far.
0: Yeah, like I I said in the, my column today, they just strike me as like a better version of Cincinnati. Like yeah, they're that's athletic left. as hell, but they can actually score too. Um, and you know, one of the first notable results of the season was when Baylor kind of blew out Oregon. We kind of wrote that off as saying more about Oregon. Without Dylan Brooks, maybe they wouldn't be quite as good until he got back to full strength. But, I mean, that was just the first of many huge wins for the Bears. They had that huge uh, comeback win over Louisville in the finals of Battle for Atlantis after already beating VCU and Michigan State. They just uh, handled Xavier most recently, and, I mean, they've got... As good a series of wins as anyone else in the country, obviously no losses, and I mean they're they're going to make it out of non-conference play unscathed because the rest of their schedule is a joke. But I mean they've they've earned it.
1: That I mean this is going to be awesome because them playing Kansas is going to be incredible. That's probably the game to look forward to at this point. I thought maybe Duke Carolina is always up there. Um, Xavier Villanova was always fun to watch, but now I think it's gotta be, um, the Baylor and Kansas UCLA and, um, Oregon is going to be another good one, but I still think this is now the premier game to watch and the big 10 has got a couple anytime Indiana plays someone is going to be good because a assembly hall is rowdy and B, yeah. uh, that Indiana's proven that they can play with the big dogs this year.
0: And of course, the the year that we say, well, looks like nobody's even gonna come close to challenging Kansas, Baylor just comes out of nowhere and, you know, suddenly they're a top five team.
1: Yeah, and I mean the same can go for the SEC where we said that Kentucky would roll through. They lose to UCLA, who granted UCLA is a very good team, but South Carolina looks pretty good this year. Florida looks pretty good. There are a couple teams that are around there in the SEC that could p- potentially knock off a young, maybe overhyped Kentucky team. I, don't, I, I say that very loosely because it's a group of young guys who eventually will get it together, and Cal will figure out a way to get them on like an Elite Eight run or something. But they, they seem to be so hyped off of beating bad teams by a ton and then Malik Monk shooting from anywhere on the floor.
0: Yeah, and also in the SEC, throw A&M out there too. Obviously yeah. lost a lot from last year, but they're still kind of right on the verge of a very good sophomore class. And I think Alabama in a couple years is going to be a pretty pretty big contender in the SEC. They've been getting some big-time recruits under Avery Johnson, but it's obviously team. not this season. Uh but yeah, back to your point. Kentucky um, the biggest win was a blowout over Michigan State in the Champions Classic, but as you've seen, Michigan State has really been struggling trying to adapt. A lot of a lot of young guys on that team still adjusting to to college life. Um, and which is very weird for an Izzo team. And I mean UCLA was really their first test, it was at home kind of everything they could have wanted to make a huge statement, and they just didn't show up at all defensively. Came into the game third in defensive efficiency, and then UCLA just scorched the nuts. Got, seemed like, anything they wanted.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough about Lonzo Ball. He looks unbelievable. And the numbers he's putting up are wild. I cannot wait to see him go up against the rest of the the Pac-12 because I don't think the Pac-12 is going to be that good this year so he's just going to put up monster numbers but it'll be fun to watch him play Oregon like I was saying before and yeah it's it's weird because usually Kentucky teams are pretty good defensive teams and this year they just don't seem to have it for whatever reason or they haven't put it together yet. Um, but yeah, UCLA just absolutely controlled that game. Did whatever they wanted. Scored at will. It it was older brother putting pushing down and, and kicking dirt at little brother in that game. It was wild.
0: Yeah, I mean, big win for Steve Alford and his general job security. He needed. That. Assuming they continue their their high level of play. Um, That's but a big assumption. yeah, it, it always <laughs> it always is. But yeah. Pac-12 outside of Oregon, UCLA, Arizona, if Alonso Trier comes back, and our sleeper pick Colorado, not a whole lot there. Um, so they'll be able to get a lot of wins, which is why this was also a very important victory for their overall tournament resume. I definitely don't think it should have shot UCLA all the way up to number two in the country, but I mean, that's kind of just splitting airs.
1: It's reactionary, and it's also overrating the hell out of Kentucky, who yeah. really had played Michigan State. But I digress. We've got – I mean, Villanova's number one now, so that's all that really matters to me. The Big East is number one again. Yep. They've, they've yeah. got some good wins. But um, it should be good. We're, we're winding down the non-conference. There'll be some, some decent non-conference games, and then we'll see some uh, – Bigger schools beat up on the small ones leading up to conference tip-off right around the last week of the year and into the new year. So We'll be sure to uh, touch on any big news that happens after that, but I I don't know. Is there any other college basketball
0: news we wanted to talk? Uh, Duke's going to be good again. Just got back Jason Tatum and uh, Margie Bolden. Still waiting for Harry Giles, but I mean, look like the class, the ACC again, because the rest is faltering. Virginia struggled to beat Ohio State at home, then yeah. got worked by West Virginia. Yeah. UNC got worked by Indiana. Uh, so yeah, half strength Duke still looks better than almost anybody in the country, and now they're slowly adding even more weapons, which is should just be terrifying.
1: Even with injured Frank Jackson and Grayson Allen, I I think I'll take Duke over every team in the ACC. They just look so scary good, and they can get points from pretty much anyone. And now that they actually have some sort of depth, it's wild. <laughs> because we haven't seen Coach K with depth in like three years. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I feel like the SEC and the ACC are going to be more wide open or uh runaway races for the top teams i mean we've been saying that since the beginning obviously i said that there are a few teams in the sec that might give kentucky a little grief but i still think kentucky is the class of the conference but i think looking forward is the big 10 and the big 12 are going to be insane just absolutely wild those those conference games because it's up and down those what 14 teams in the Big Ten and 10 teams in the Big 12 because that always makes sense. Makes sense. Uh,
0: no reason down, to change the names.
1: Yeah, up and down that uh, those conferences, <laughs> there are tough games everywhere outside of you know your Rutgers game or whoever else in the the Big 12 has Kansas State is okay. Um,
0: Iowa State's good. Kansas TCU. State's good. TC thinking, is the yeah, shitty yeah. team <laughs> i trying, so, trying to think of who is the, the shitty team now. Yeah.
1: So he's he's going to turn that thing around So there are a lot of uh, A lot of good games in, in the Big Ten And Big Twelve this year And I'm hoping the Big East can pick it up a little bit So that we can at least uh, Claim to be number three
0: or something I mean even without Xavier still have two teams in the top ten right now So that's, yeah, And Butler is right there too that that's certainly better that's than up. yeah. They're going to be annoying as hell for Indiana to play in a couple weeks because they just once again seem like very fundamentally strong team, not flashy at all, but just don't make mistakes.
1: Yeah, Tyler Lewis, Travis, the six <laughs> six guy that can guard anyone essentially. It's unbelievable. Uh, Keelan Martin scores at will. I I I don't get it how Chris Holton <laughs> continues to do this, but he does.
0: Butler way. Yeah, or that's something. I mean,
1: That's the best way to describe it. Um I think I mean I think that's that's all we got. There's not too much things are winding down in college football, so there's not too much to talk about there and then basketball the non-conference is winding down, so I
0: just want to say Premature 20 minutes to go. Congratulations to Bill Self for his 600th career victory. (laughs) Up by 16 on UMKC, so I think he might do it.
1: Go Ruse, go.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And Seton Hall tipping off in five minutes at Pearl Harbor against Hawaii.
0: Big game. Big game. And
1: then we play Cal tomorrow, I think. So that's a big game. All right, the Pirates need a couple wins. Indiana, who do you guys play this week?
0: Houston Baptist, and that's it. They're Played three the games backs. in like five days last week. You know who
1: goes to Houston Baptist or whose son goes to Houston Baptist? I yeah. doubt. Have you seen the movie Hoop Dreams?
0: Actually, I actually don't think that I have.
1: Really? Wow, fantastic documentary. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's filmed in like... Late eighties, early nineties in Chicago, based on two kids from the city that go to Saint Joe's to play basketball for Pingator. And one of the guys' sons plays on Houston Baptist and he was at the, the camp with me. Humble brag when I went there. <laughs> so um yeah, so that his son that like I mean it kinda you not having seen the movie kinda took all the wind out of my yeah. sail, but ruins
0: your Michael Wilbon name drop.
1: Yep. If you see uh if you <laughs> see Gates on the floor, that's him.
0: Okay, I might watch the game right. now just to look for that.
1: There you go. Uh, that'll do it for another episode of the B Fox and B Frank Show. Be sure to check it out, and I promise we will be on iTunes by the end of this year. That's a promise.